Welcome to Catfish Weekly, presented by Whiskerware Apparel, along with Chuck Davidson and Doc Lang. I'm Lyle Stokes. I want everybody to to know that uh, we missed last week because it was a holiday, and uh, we're happy to be back. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about, and uh, looks like we're going to have a pretty good show. How's it going tonight, Chuck? How's it going tonight, Doc? Real good on my end. Nights and warm. It's not All raining. Right. Not raining? Well, I'll tell you what, we've had so much rain in Missouri that uh, it's unbelievable, but it's been so hot and windy that uh, we drained some water out of some stuff uh, since we was gone for three or four days, and, and uh, it just soaked it up. Even though we've had rain, 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 it's still it's just really dry. Are you in there, Chuck? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's very, very hot down here, man. I mean, roasting. You, uh, you had a tournament over the weekend. How'd everything go with that? Um, you know, it went good. We, um, you know, everybody was, you know, about exhausted when it was time to launch. I mean, it was just so hot and. You know that's a bad way to start a tournament off, being being wore out before it even started. Um, but you know, soon after, you know, first off, uh, skipjack was very very hard to get. You know, some guys went below Gunnersville and you know caught you know fifty or hundred uh, six inch skipjack. Um, you know, and and just a few few good size ones. Uh, but you know, below Wilson, they were very hard to get. Um, uh, me and John Stevens went fishing Saturday morning about 5:30 until about 9:30, and we ended up with three. Um, and you know they just wasn't hitting. They were busting all around the boat. They were mixed in with white bass. We was catching white bass if we slowed our presentations down. But um, it was it was very rough getting bait. Then you know right after dark, probably about 7:30, 8 o'clock. A bad thunderstorm took its toll, took its toll on everyone. Um, a lo you know, a few boats got damaged. Um, you know, it was it was very hard to to do anything. I mean, just just to get out of it was hard to do. A, a, a couple of guys that were close to bridges got out of it. You know, a couple of people went up into one foot of water. <laughs> but I mean, it was a, a it was a pretty good thunderstorm to uh, be out on Lake Wilson. Um, you know, because it's it's such a big, wide lake that if you're on the wrong side and you're downwind, um, you know, you're really going to catch some really big swells. Yeah, three and four foot rollers. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, you know, I had I had to use the trolling motor to keep the front of my boat trying to face toward the storm because if I didn't, it don't. If I was facing any other direction, the it was breaking over into my boat, so I just tried to keep my boat facing the wind, facing the swells, and um, you know it wore us out. Uh, we was glad to get back fishing a couple of hours later after everything settled down, uh, but um, you know we we was 13 miles upriver. We were all we was on the other end of Lake Wilson when it hit, so there wasn't nothing else we could do. We we wasn't real familiar with the area. Um, we ended up not doing very well. We ended up with a couple of small uh, dinks uh, for weigh-in, 
at least we didn't get skunked. We tried some new things, tried some new areas of the river. We did exactly what we said we was going to do, and we was we did not hit any honey holes. So anything I already had marked on my electronics, we didn't go to any of that stuff that we tried different things. And uh, we didn't end up doing very well, but we learned a lot by doing that. And that's exactly what we're trying to do is learn as much as possible this year. Well, you guys gonna get to, every time you get the fish together, you should be adjusting each other a little more, and you be you be all set and ready to go to get some of these bigger tournaments. Yeah, but you know that the only that's it. The only time we get the fish together is during the tournament. So we're using these smaller tournaments to uh, you know as practice sessions, and you know uh, trying to get our, get everything down pat. Um, right. And well, that's you know. Cool. Yeah, and you know every hour we spend together in the boat, the the you know the better everything's getting. We just need to do it more often, but cause you know a month or six weeks later when we finally get the fish together, um, it seems like you know some of the stuff we have to refresh on. Uh, right. But you know, it, it's things are getting a little bit better. It looks like we're gonna start getting to spend a little bit more time on the water together and and getting getting this stuff back together where we need it to be. But um. Larry Muse called me Friday. I put a post up about fishing Wilson and uh, trying to stay Sunday and fish. And um, he said, well, uh, Mr. John Stevens says you can come up and stay with him at his lake house. And I gave Larry my number. And uh, Mr. Stevens called me, and I went up and I stayed with him Friday night. Uh, we fished together for bait Saturday morning. He went to Larry Muse's stepfather's uh, birthday party Saturday and told me I was welcome to stay at his lake house for the rest of the weekend. And uh, he's a class act. That's the first time I've ever been able to sit down and spend some time with him and really talk. And uh, he's a great guy. I can't wait to fish with him more. And uh, it seems like our friendship just hit instantly. Um, well, I got I to gotta tell you, you know, uh, Mr. John backed our boat and stuff in down at Wheeler at the uh, – at the uh, Winter Blues on Wheeler this year, and and he walked up to me and he was telling me how much he enjoyed watching Catfish Weekly, and and I'm thinking, my God, this is John Stevens. How does he even know who I am? <laughs> and uh, he's just as great a man as anybody would ever want to meet, and and I'm pretty jealous of the fact that you got to spend a little time with him because he's just a really really good dude. He's one of the true ambassadors of the sport, and I know we say that all the time about guys, but but you don't get any better than Mr. Stevens. That's just he's just top notch all the way around. I know Doc, you know him real well. Yeah, I fished on Tennessee River with him. We we. We go back a long, long ways. Uh, he's he is he's he's as good a guy as as uh, as is in our sport, and 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 uh, we have some of the greatest people in the sport of catfishing as you ever ever want to meet. So uh, I, I'm happy for you, Chuck, that you got to spend some time with Mr. John, and and uh, I, I, I just am so jealous that you got to do it and I didn't. That's all. Well, you know, he I got an open invite to come up and, and fish with him anytime he's available <laughs> and hang out and I mean that that's awesome having somebody, you know, within a few miles like, you know, a few uh, a few hours like him where I can just go up and spend some time with him and uh, you know, if I get tired or something having somewhere to crash um I mean, he he just made me feel so welcome there and it I mean, it was just unbelievable. And um 
I mean, when I was leaving yesterday, I'm like, what can I do around here to thank him? I said, well, I'll just wait, and I'll thank him on Catfish Weekly. I know he's watching. He, he told me last Monday that he was lost because we didn't have a show, and um, he said he watches all of them, and I was like, you, you watch all the shows? He said, yeah, I'm, I watch them every week, and I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, I've I've you know heard a lot about him over the you know past four or five years. People talking about him and stuff, and you know I've I've been wanting to sit around and chat with him. But I learned an awful lot about skipjack fishing just watching him. He, um, I watched him just try one presentation after the other, um, and you know I seen what worked, what didn't, and I mean he he knows this stuff about catching that bait now and. Uh, just having him in the boat for four hours and just observing what he was doing. Um, you know, next time I'm having a hard time, I know some things to try now to try to get on him. <laughs> you can't beat you can't beat a guy that's been doing it his whole life, man. He's got all the experience yeah. there is, and True. if he share any of it with you, man, you better retain that the best you can. Oh yeah, you know, he, let let you know. Um, you know, he catches a, a lot of Larry Muse's baits. You know, when Larry's working a lot and stuff, he he calls John and says. Hey man, what are you doing? You know, are you busy? How about catching me some skipjack? You know, and he goes out and um, you know he loves doing that stuff. And I mean, he's in such great conditioning, you know. And he 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 pulled, you know, he put me in the water, pulled the truck up in the parking lot, and here he comes jogging all the way across the parking lot. It's you know at five thirty six in the morning, at a full trot, and I'm like, man, I'd passed out by now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know he didn't hit a lick. I'm like, man, I wish I was. I I felt that good. There ain't no way I could come running across that parking lot like that. Well, that's cool. That's way cool. Yeah, Doc, awesome. I, I know you was at a tournament with a young lady this weekend. How uh, how'd everything go over there with you guys? Pretty good. Yeah, I had my oldest granddaughter with. You're kind of locking up on us a little bit. All right, we'll try it again. How's that? That better? Yes, better. That's better. Star happened to catch the biggest fish of the, of the tournament. There this year. So, uh, but it was a 14-pound channel cat, and it it was a it was a pig. <laughs> you know that's that's awesome that you get to go out with your granddaughter like that, and she get to catch a a giant channel cat, fourteen yeah. pound channel cat. I don't care what body of water you're fishing, a fourteen pound channel cat is a great fish anywhere you go. Oh yeah, yeah, and she uh, she fought that. You know she went whoo. Papa, I almost handed that rod over to you. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That is yeah. really, really cool. She's been fishing on the boat with me ever since uh, she... She became a teenager. We kind of, She kind of got away from fishing, but now she's uh, she wanted to go fishing with me. We have another tournament that I take all the... She'll be in part of that, but uh, yeah, that was that was a great time. We
But you know, this was a channel cat tournament. There are flatheads in the lake, but uh... Doc, I'm thinking you must have a loose wire in your headset or something because you're really coming and going whenever you move around. Uh, like 50, is that better, or are you still hearing yeah. me? Or am I breaking yeah, up? Got, okay. got you now. Now you're gone. Shh. Go on ahead without me then. Okay. Um, Chuck, we got a, a message from one of our viewers, Jason Mitchell, and I know Jason watches all the time, and um, he was wanting to know if we could discuss on the show about tournament etiquette. He wants to know about uh, drifting and bumping being more more popular and anchor fishing becoming less proper popular. How to handle areas when someone else is in it, and uh, if it's cool to drift behind somebody, and uh, how to know what water someone else is fishing. And, you know that's kind of a deal where if you see them, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, what to do if everybody's moving around and. Uh, if, if you're close to somebody, uh, how close is too close and how close is not too close. And uh, when, it, when anchor fishing, he says he thinks it's pretty cut and dry, but drifting leaves some gray areas. And I thought we'd touch on that for just a little bit if you guys don't mind. And uh, one thing that I will mention to Jason and anyone else, most of these tournaments have a, in their rules, they have a, uh, distance that you are allowed to be anchored up by someone, and and it's some they're not all the same. So um, in, in a lot of the places they they don't want you anchored more than than 50 yards from the next guy or 50 feet, uh, however it is, and, and you basically go by those rules. And um, it, it's the same with drifting, Jason. You you get uh, you're not supposed to get but so close to those, and and each tournament should have a different set of rules, and you'll need to to abide by those rules and make sure. And there's usually not very many issues about that, but if you are worried about it or you think there will be issues, what I have in my boat, and I've never used them, never, but I have a um, one of the deals you use when you're, when you're bow hunting about telling how far the deer are from you. I forget what you call it. Thing, but anyhow, I've got one. Yeah, I've got a digital range finder, and, and uh, the main thing I want to use it for is not worrying about how close I am to somebody or how close somebody is to me. There is a distance. You must be from a dam, and I like to fish dams, and most all of them have a mark on the wall, but they don't always have a mark, or you can't see it, or you can't read it, or it's too dark, or whatever. And I can use that rangefinder, and I can shoot the face of that dam, and I know if I'm too close or, or, or if I'm all right. Uh, but that is one way to determine if, if, you're, if your tournament rules say you're supposed to be so many feet away, if you are too close or, or if you're all right, that is one way of doing it. And, and um, like I say, I've had them carried them for several years, never used them. But uh, if, if I know that I'm right on the border of being too close to a dam, I can shoot that thing and say, well, I'm okay, or I need to get my ass back away from there, or whatever the case may be. What do you think about that, Chuck? Chuck? You know, the one big thing I've seen 
you know, like we talked about, you know, unification for one. And That's right. If we got unification, there would be no confusion. Um, and a big thing I've seen is since the trolling motors have come out with Spotlock, a lot of people are using that for their anchor device. And when people come up on you to see if you've got an anchor rope out, they can come right up on you and anchor lock pretty close because nobody has, you know, said, hey, you know, anchor locking is anchoring, you know, just without the rope. So when, when people come up on you and they see no rope, that they can, they'll come up right up beside you, um, you know, I've been on tournaments where I'll come out in the morning, you know, where you can get on the water at, you know, 5 o'clock. You can't drop a line till 6. So when I'm preparing my my baits and all, um, getting my rods ready, I know where I'm going to fish, but I'm within about 30 yards because I don't want to drop an 8-ounce sinker right on top of where I marked fish the day before. Okay, so I back off a little bit, but I want to be able to get to that spot pretty quick. Um, you know, and I'm sitting there spot locked. Because I don't have an anchor rope in the water, a guy can come and just jump right on the spot that I was planning on moving to. And that's happened to me twice. Um, because there's no unification. Nobody said, hey, guys, look, if there's a boat sitting still, he's considered anchored. It don't matter if he's got a rope in the water or not. Um, you know, so, you know, that, I think it would be good, you know, during the unification process, if there was some way to let people know what type of technique are you using at the time, um, you know, some kind of <coughs> colored flag or something. Hey, he's got a, he's got a yellow flag out. He, he's, he's moving, he's drifting or whatever, you know, just so the other boaters will know what, what everybody else is doing. Cause there's no other way to know. Uh, you know, because when you're drifting, a lot of times you're moving, you know, most of the time between 0 0.2, 0 0.5, 0 0.8, and it's hard to tell if a boat is moving going that slow. You don't know if he's spot locked or what. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, that that that's been the biggest problems that I've seen is is the the spot locking problem where people is able to come get right on you right on the same spot you are because you don't have a rope in the water. Well, and, and at that time, and Doc, you chime in anytime you want to. At that time, you know, I think I would just say, hey, you know what? We're electric anchored. Where we're spot locked, which is the same thing as being anchored. And uh, uh, most of the time, the guys that are around us, uh, we'll, we'll say, I don't care how close they are. We'll, a lot of times, they'll sit there and fish by us, and, and we'll just have a conversation and make fun of each other and have a good time. And as long as that's going on and everybody's on the same page, I never have seen anything wrong with it. But there's guys that will get mad about it. You know, and one of the things that, that I've noticed that makes people the maddest is if someone has a little bit faster boat than the next guy and this guy's pulling into his spot and the other guy races in there and jumps ahead of him and throws an anchor out. And then they're both mad. Uh, so a little bit of courtesy uh, in these tournaments will go a long ways and, and uh, know who it is that you're fooling around with. If, if uh, uh, 
we're going to be fishing a tournament and my brother's there, I might do that to him just to aggravate him, but I won't sit there and fish your spot. He might do it to me, you know. Well, we're going to have some fun with it. But there, there's a lot of things uh, that goes on in these tournaments that people do that they know they shouldn't be doing, and, and, and it's just a courtesy thing. And if you'll, if you'll mind your manners and everybody else does, they're the greatest people in the world, catfishers. There's no sense of everybody getting aggravated and beat up about it. Just uh, do what you got to do and move on down to the next spot or let them have it or whatever and go on. There, there's no sense of fighting and feuding over a fishing spot. Them rivers and lakes are full of places holding fish. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it happened to me, and, um, you know, I was I was probably, you know, 30 yards from where I was going to fish. Um you know, it's obvious on Navionics, and where I was sitting at the time, I don't think anybody had even fished where I was sitting, you know, so, you know, what got me, I got out there at 5 o'clock exactly, so I could claim that spot, um, it's every man to himself, when that, when it's time to, to hit that water and go, um, it, it's competition, you know, every man for himself, I got there, and, and the guy that waited until 6.30, 6:15 to put his boat in, and, and and pulls up on me at 6:25 and gets on the spot that I'm I'm moving toward w with my trolling motor. Um, you know that's totally wrong. So, you know I'll I'll just sit there and do circles around him <coughs> on my trolling motor. Uh, I'm I'm drifting. You know so, you know he might be on this on the spot I was going to get on. So if he's going to come up on me, I'll just I'll just uh, do little circles around him. You know drifting. Um, yeah, my um, opinion, and I don't know if my is. Let's not we, be able to. We lost you about mid midway of your whatever you're saying, Doc. Go ahead. <laughs> well. Like like I was saying, a lot of times, you know, back in the old days when we all first started fishing tournaments years and years and years ago, uh, there was no drifting. Nobody knew anything about drifting. It hadn't been had been done yet. Everybody anchor fished, and and we would fish on the Mississippi River down Louisiana, and everybody there knew everybody there, and uh, we'd either go down to the granary. And, and, and when I first started fishing, nobody really realized you catch those big old blues consistently. You know, most of the time we was going down to the granary, and, and uh, 15 or 20 of us had set up on a barge where they was loading grain, and we's all sitting there making fun of each other and carrying on and having a big time and ragging on each other, and it was a blast. And if we decided to go to the dam, we'd run down there, and everybody would anchor down either in front of the dam or behind the dam, wherever the fish uh, was that at the time and we'd sit there and yell back and forth to each other and just I mean it was so much fun and uh, you know I, I never will forget I went to school with them Lawrence boys and Petey Cox and a bunch of them and uh, we was anchored up above the dam we'd all been on some pretty good fish one time and this uh, probably 15-20 years ago and um, in front of all them guys that I knew my whole life I caught a big old white drum and they rode me like a horse. I mean, you'd have thought they saddled me and rode me. All the way across the front of that dam in Clarksville, from one side of that river to the other, they was laughing and yelling at me. And, uh, of course, in them days, nobody had cell phones, so it was all yelling. And, I mean, we pulled into the way in. They were still on me. We got ready to leave. Hell, I couldn't wait to get in the truck just to get away from them. They was riding me so hard. But it was 
it was all in fun. We all enjoyed it. We had a blast. And believe you me, if it had been one of them that had that drum, I'd have been on them just as hard, you know. Uh, but it's a different it's a different thing nowadays. In, in those days, if you won that tournament, man, uh, if there had been 30 or 40 guys in there, hell, you might have won 200 bucks. You might have won 75. I mean, it, it, there wasn't no big big payouts in those days. And, and most of the time, we was fishing for Channel Cat. And once in a while, somebody hit a flathead or they'd hit a good blue or something. But uh, it wasn't like it is nowadays. And um, we did. We had a lot of fun. And I would still today do a deal like that. We, we was in a tournament a year or so ago, and some guys uh, was was dragging, and they wanted to know if they could cut between where we was anchored and the bank, and I didn't care. You know, it didn't make any difference to me, and they went through there. Uh, while they was going through there, we caught a big fish. Uh, it was a, it didn't make any difference to me, and, and if you're going to do something like that, have the courtesy. If, if Chuck's anchored up and, and I want to drift by him on one side or the other, uh, I'll ask him because we'll be close enough. I'll say, hey, Chuck, can I can I go through there or would you rather I not or am I too close to you? And, and as, long as, as long as we're in agreement uh, of what's going on, if he says, no, that's too close, then I'll go out, you know. Or if he says, no, go ahead, then I'm, I might go through there. But as long as everybody's in agreement, if you agree to something, you really can't complain about it and bitch when you get to the way and if they catch a fish going through there, if you say it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. But if they tell you, no, I don't want you to do that or I'd rather you didn't, then, then have the courtesy not to do it and, and because they'll do the same uh, when the shoe's on the other foot. I, I honestly believe that. Yeah, you just got you got to be respectful of people when they're out there fishing. I agree, Doc. I really do. And and um, yeah. courtesy goes a long ways. And you're the the thing that you have to remember is next week, next month, next year, you're going to be right in the tournament with them guys again, and you want to be able to walk up and grab them on the shoulder and say, hey, how's it going? You catch any fish? Where'd you find your bait? I, I need some. I, that's what I do to right. Doug Rice. Every, every time I see old Doug Rice, I ask him if he's got bait for me. Of course, he never. For some reason, he has never got me no bait, but that's okay. But we have a good time <laughs> with that, and and, and uh, Doug's as good an old boy as, as you ever want to be around in a tournament, and and uh, him and John fished the other day, and, and they had a really good time, and I know it was a blast with them two in the boat. But, you know, them, the, I may see Chuck two times a year or three times a year, and, and when I see him at one of these tournaments, I don't want him to be mad at me because I cut him off going into a place to fish or something. <laughs> I want to be able to go up there just like we're talking on the show and, and us just start in like we finished the last time. I don't want him to be mad because I've done something to him at a tournament, and, and that's courtesy and respect for the fellow fishermen. That's all it is. Yeah, the the lake is way too big to be fighting over a spot. You know, there's there uh, there's plenty of places to to soak your baits. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people mark the same spots. A lot of places are totally obvious when you look at Navionics. Um, and they just stand out, and and you're not the only one that's seen that. Everybody that knows <coughs> how to read contour lines and and what those ledges are doing, they're they're looking at the same spots you are. Um, that's right. And, and when you get yeah. to that spot and somebody's already there, you know, they 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 come across it the day before, or that was part of their plan, or they wouldn't be there. 
You know, that's, that's, right. why, that's why it's always good to have plan A, B, and C because, you know, if I wouldn't have had plan A, B, and C at, um, at you know, my first Monsters of the Ohio, I wouldn't have ever got a bait in the water because every place me and Leanne had, had, had planned to fish, <laughs> uh, somebody was sitting on that spot. Parked on top of it, yeah. So, I mean, that's what you get when 150 boats are on the same stretch of river. And that, that's right, and, and some of them are just enough faster. They'll beat you to every spot you want to go to. And, and last year was a prime example. Craig Shoemate, and, and you guys probably remember Craig was on a show with us here a while back. Craig uh, was having boat trouble, and he'd come down to St. Louis and jumped in a boat with Cindy and I, and we hadn't had a chance to go down and pre-fish, and Craig had been down there before he had boat trouble, and he said, I, I got four places. We'll, we'll get to it. We was in our little tracker, and, and um, we go take off, and we leave like number two out of the gate. The first four places we got, somebody had beat us to every one of them. We're only talking about a nine-mile run. But but that happens, and and we just went to another spot and went in there and right off the bat started putting fish in the boat. And, and it happens that way sometimes, and sometimes it don't. But... Uh, uh, you, you just got to go on because they'll either not set up right on it or they'll catch what they want out of that spot and, and you go back in there and set up different or the way you think it should be and your lab will start catching fish again. They're not going to catch every fish out of their spots. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing that he was interested in knowing about it is, is drifting. Uh, and how do you know when you're too close to somebody and, and, and things like that? Well, in drifting, from my perspective, um, Larry Muse had a good analogy of that uh, from down at Monsters on the Ohio last year. Uh, he pulled in where Hans Fronstock and his partner was fishing and asked them. They was pulling up the river. If I, now, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but this is the, this is the way I remember Larry telling us. They, Hans and them was pulling their bait up the river. They was pulling up the river, and Larry pulled in beside him and asked him if he could drift in behind them. And they said yes, and he went drifting down river. They was pulling bait up river, and and but that's the way you got to do that. You ask them if it's fine, and and other than that, your rules of your tournament should say you can only be so close. Now. If that distance is 10 feet or 100 yards, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're out of that range, that water's fair game. This stuff of people saying, oh, that's my spot. Well, Chris used to do that, but it was a joke with him. Oh, you're in my spot. Don't fish my spot. But a lot of these guys, they think, well, that is my spot, but it's not. It's public water. It's owned by every taxpayer that pays taxes, and, and, and the river is domain. If somebody's not in that spot or they're not drifting that area and you're within the distance that the rules of the tournament, then you can fish it. I see no problem with that. I wouldn't have a problem if somebody was pulled in beside me uh, and started drifting. Now, if they pulled right in front of me, uh, that might irritate me a little bit. But for the most part, guys won't do that without saying something to you. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what you guys think about that. That's, that's, that's kind of my outlook on it. Yeah, the Larry, Larry caught the, uh, the second biggest fish right where them guys had just went over. They had already went through that spot. Larry got in behind them and went back toward where them guys just came from. 
So them guys had just came through there. Larry was bouncing and, and bounced through some wood, and that's where the big one was. They had they had the same chance he did to get that fish. They had already been through there, and he got it. Yeah, and in fact, I think John Stevens caught that fish, wasn't it? I believe so. He I was in the so. boat. Yeah. Yep, I think so, too. But, yeah. you know, that that's he done the right way. I, it's, from my perspective, he done exactly what he should have done. He asked them guys if it was all right if he could do that. They said yes. Uh, and and I, I believe that's the way you should do it. Uh, that's just my feelings about that. And, and everybody may not have that idea. They may think this or that or have a different outlook on it, but uh, I wouldn't have had a bit of trouble at all. And uh, it would have made me madder that I didn't catch the fish, and they did, than it would the fact that they was there. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, they, they could have told Larry. Parks and fish, and we're trying to get on them. Larry would have kept going, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. You know, because a, a lot of Absolutely. people, you know, they'll go back and forth, back and forth over a spot, and that's a good way to do it. And you you can uh, eventually to get them bite. But um, you know, they kept going. They told him to fall in, and and, and that was okay with them. So right there, there was no trouble after that because it, everybody was mutual. So well, I, you guys may or may not know Hans, but. Uh, Hans is one of the great guys in the sport. He's very easy to get along with. He's a lot of fun to be around. And uh, if you would happen to pull in behind him as Larry did and catch a and Larry catch a big fish, I will guarantee you Hans will be the first one to congratulate him uh, for catching that fish because that's the kind of guy that he is. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. When I'm in the water. Uh, I get a little aggravated over it, but you know, as long as I catch a fish before they do, then I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly right. But yeah, it's uh, it, like I say, respect and courtesy will go a long ways. Um, I don't know of a tournament series or individual tournament anywhere that doesn't have a rock solid distance between anchor fishing. Uh, you guys may know of one, that, but every not tournament several in our area. Yeah, yeah. they may Only not be the anchor, same. Yeah, just for anchor fish. Right. They they every tournament may have a different distance, but they all have a distance yeah. that you're not supposed to anchor that any closer than whatever it is to the next boater. So if you uh, if you uh, stay that distance and and um, Again, if you are concerned about it, holler over to the guy and say, hey, Doc, am I too close? And he'll say, yeah, you're pretty close, or no, you're fine. Uh, at that point, it's it's kind of a if, – if they agree to it, it's a moot point if you're a foot inside that distance or not. And if they say you're too close, then you're too close. I mean, just, just give them the, the courtesy and move over a little bit and throw your anchor out. I mean, a lot of times you'll be able to cast those fish you think you're going to catch anyhow. So it's it's not a big deal, but I do believe that nearly every I can't think of a tournament that I've ever fished that does not have a distance between anchored boats. Uh, some of them do not have a distance in, in drifting, but I can't think of any that doesn't have a distance already specified before the tournament starts of how close you can be to another anchored boat. Uh, yep. And 
I, I think that should fairly well cover most of that. Is there any other etiquette uh, things that you guys can think of that we need to talk about while we're on this subject? My the only thing. Can you hear me? What's yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. The only thing, uh, and Lyle and I have both been involved in, if somebody has broken. getting help to somebody. You know, when Jingles broke his boat down, we were both looking for him and trying yep. to find him and stuff. That, that's right, and, and uh, boy, that was a bad bad deal. Ron ripped the side out of that Lund, but, uh, yeah. you know, there's there's not a finer man ever lived than, than Ron Workman, and, and he had his daughter-in-law with him and, and his son Chris, and yeah. Uh, we didn't even get anchored. We just turned around, went right, started looking for them, and I was calling you because I couldn't find them. And, yeah, uh, I knew they. I knew they were down near. Knew they had to be near me somewhere. Right, and uh, I was just happy to get them uh, out of the water and safe, and uh, they didn't hang around. They they headed on back to Indiana, and that was fine and dandy, and uh, you know. I sure didn't want anything to happen to them. And, and uh, uh, last year, uh, Anthony Maggard, boat stranded him out on the water, and we pulled him in. Uh, he probably had the winning weight or the big fish of the tournament. I don't remember which one it was, but he was a bit in the money. And I run as hard getting him back as I possibly could go. And we was two late minutes late getting him back to the boat ramp. And he didn't get to weigh his fish. And, and that was a bad situation. It was very sad for him. But that's all I could do. I couldn't go any faster or any, you know. And, and he knew that I'd done everything I could. But uh, it just didn't work out that time. And, and I hated it. He hated it. But uh, the end result is uh, the next time we'll know to put more rope out. And I'll be able to go a little faster. Maybe we'll get him in. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Jerry Jerry Dillard says, "How do you handle distance anchor if a team throws an anchor ball to chase down a fish?" Well, Doc, I feel like if they throw that anchor ball out, they're still there and they ought to be able to go right back to that spot. I don't know how Correct. you feel, but okay. I, res I respect that anchor ball as if they were a boat was attached to it. I feel the same way, and and uh, uh, I'm sure that Chuck would. I know he stepped over. Uh, to do something right quick, but if that anchor ball is there, the only reason they would pull up from that is uh, possibly if they had a barge coming, more likely they've got a fish on they need to chase down, and, and they should respect that ball just like that boat was sitting there. I, I'm actually anxious, Doc, to get with you down at uh, Memphis and... and uh, uh, we we had the the privilege of fishing with uh, with uh, Jason this weekend up there uh, in the tournament we was in, and he he brought an anchor and uh, he had one of those anchor balls on it. We didn't use it, but I, I know you and I have talked about that that we would uh, you would show me uh, how to do that, and uh, uh, I I really think that. Probably after I see that in action, I might have to have one because I'm I'm telling you, Jason Burgess is is 
uh, having him in the boat with us this weekend, and we'd never fished together, ever. Uh, he got in the boat with us Saturday morning, uh, the day of the tournament, and it was just like he'd been in a boat with us every time we'd been out for 10 years. I mean, it was it was just, you know, like he was a brother or something. I mean, everything worked. We, we could read each other and do what we needed to do. And usually when somebody's fishing with us, I'm coaching them when they're catching fish. The shoe was on the other foot this time. He done me that way. I didn't, I never, never had anybody coach me, you know, and it was, yes. we had a, we had a really, really good time, but he has a box anchor and we was in very heavy current. He was afraid that we wouldn't be able to hold in some of the places we might go. And, uh, now I'm, I'm going to tell you that box anchor did hold, but, uh, about twice is all I can pull that thing up because it hits that current when you get it up off the bottom, and I mean it, it just ripped me. I, I couldn't do it. And Jason pulled it most of the time, but uh, you know you guys are the same way I am. You're only going to be able to sit there and watch somebody do that kind of stuff for so long. You're going to have to help them do some of it, and and uh, uh, it, it is. It was very hard to pull, but it did hold very well. And Troy Troy Hansen made that anchor for him. And uh, for I believe what we was in was four and a half mile an hour current, and uh, I know a lot of guys say, "Well, we got current." Well, unless you see four and a half mile an hour current, uh, you really don't know. But um, it, it is, it, it is, it's cooking, especially in a big boat, and um, it, it was a lot of fun. But Jason was was a super nice guy to be in a boat with, and and I anticipate jumping in a boat uh, when we get together. Doc will be the same way. I really do. Yeah, did you catch a big fish in that heavy current? Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> yep, 48.6 pounds. It was a great fish. We caught that thing uh, uh, an hour before the end of the tournament. Uh, we had 10 pounds worth of channel cats in the boat at 2 o'clock, and uh, Jason had gotten hung up and, and broke off a line, and I was sitting there tying the line, uh, and had my back to the rod, and he said, turn around catch that fish. And uh, I just turned around, grabbed the rod, and started reeling it up. And, and uh, I said, this is a little bit better fish than what we got. And about that time, it come to the top, and you can see that big old wide tail. And he's all, oh, man, he said, that, that's the fish we've been waiting for. And it went straight back down to the bottom and stayed there till we got it up by the boat. And, and uh, like I say, I'm not used to being coached. And he's, oh, oh Jason says, to hang with me now. We got this, baby. And, and, uh, we got her up to the top, and, and he said, that's a 40-pound fish. And I said, I believe it is. And uh, after we got it in the boat, I thought maybe it'd go 50, but it, it wouldn't do it, 48.6. Uh, but that was a great fish. And like I say, in that head, we was right in the middle of heavy current uh, in in a lot of brush. And and uh, Cindy's old bumping rod, she had just done a bang-up job. And she, she couldn't get to it because it was on the back deck, and I was sitting right there beside it. So it was just, you know, it was my turn. I, I tell you, boys, I had a really bad skier uh, in that tournament. We was taken off, and and uh, the day before we had been broke down, and we drifted uh, trying to get back to the boat ramp for four hours, running three mile an hour up the Mississippi River is is just a really bad day. We had some some stuff go wrong that that shouldn't have went wrong, but it did, and we got it all straightened out. and And I was going to let Jason and Cindy catch the fish, and I was going to do. Uh, videotape and I had my video camera set up on a tripod and I let Jason drive and I was all ready to videotape them too catching fish all day and we're going down that river and I forgot to tighten up the screw that goes in the bottom of the keeper 
for the tripod that attaches the camera. And as we're going down the river, that camera fell off that tripod and landed right in the bottom of that boat on that deck. And I nearly cried. I'm not kidding you. I was. Uh, I heard it over the sound of the boat going down the river. Cindy turned around. She didn't know what had happened. And, and, and I guess I had the dumbest look on my face because there's my, my real good video camera sitting in the floor. And how it missed my feet is beyond me, but it hit that deck, and I just knew it tore it up, and I tried to turn it on, and it's got error codes and things. And at that point, I figured the best thing to do was just put it up, and, and, and that's what I did. And then later, after we caught that fish, I get it back out, and I get to checking it, and one of the doors was open, and one of the cards had popped out, and I put them back in. The thing worked fine, and I'm thinking, damn, we could have had all that stuff on video and didn't get none of it. And uh, But I was so bumming about about tearing up my good camera. It uh, wasn't meant to be, I guess. It wasn't, and that's okay. Um, Tony Caton says, anyone to make a trip to the James River, please do so. They're eating for sure at night, and that's good information for anybody who gets out there. And uh, Jerry Dillard said, the key to fishing with a box anchor is to bring a strong partner. That is some of the best advice I have ever heard. <laughs> hey, now that is, that's something... <laughs> talked about uh, uh, how to break offline that gets hung up. Right. You're breaking up on us, Doc. Okay. Uh, breaking offline, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight a little bit. I had a guy ask me the other day, he said, he said, I have broke three fishing rods this year. Uh, he said, I'll tell you what kind they are. I said, I don't care what kind they are. It doesn't make any difference. The biggest problem with people breaking fishing rods are they're buying them out of a box store. And that's where the majority of people get their fishing rods. But what happens to these rods is people go in these stores and they pick one up off of the thing and they grab it and they grab that tip and they pull it around. And when you pull that tip over, you're breaking the little fibers in that blank. And it may not break then. It might not break you might catch 10 or 15 good fish on it, and it won't break. But pretty soon, them little fibers will keep breaking and keep breaking and keep breaking until that rod blank breaks. The other thing that causes fishing rods to break is people whacking them on doors, uh, hitting them on the side of the boat, different things like that. It'll put a little nick in the finish, and next thing you know, it'll break right there where that spot is, especially high-performance rods such as graphite, carbon, and stuff like that. Old fiberglass rod, it'll take a licking and keep it ticking. They're just like Timex's, but they don't have the sensitivity, they don't have the power, they don't have everything that the high-performance rod blanks do. But the number one thing is that rod gets bit, and, and they'll grab them up. The other thing that breaks more fishing rods than anything in the world is people will get a fish on their line, they'll get it up to the boat, and they'll high-stick it. And high-sticking it is when they grab that rod up the blank instead of using... Rods are built, they are made to use the entire length of the blank when, from, the, from the handle and the reel seat all the way through the tip. When you grab that higher and high-stick it up there, you're not utilizing the rod for the way it is, and a lot of times they'll break off right where your hand's at, and that's nobody's fault except the guy that does that. It has nothing to do with what kind of rod blank it is or who made it or anything else like that. It's just been abused. Uh, most, most, most everybody will take care of them and go on, uh, and, and nothing ever happens, 
but but that's what the main thing is. But once them fibers start breaking inside that blank, they may be way down deep in them. They may be right on the outside. Most of the time, they're underneath the finish where you can't see it. But any time that you're grabbing that tip and doing it like that, you're doing damage to that because it's not made to be used that way. The the thing with fishing line, especially braid, uh, people get hung up drifting. You know, we all do. I take mine and I wrap that line. I'll give it as far out as I can. I'll wrap it three times around the body of the reel and pull straight against where you're at. Uh, don't bend the rod and try to break 100 to 150 pound braid. Just pull straight after that. That'll stop slipping on that reel and you can break off your leader and reel her up and good to go. Just be careful not to get your hands in between the reel and that braid or the rod in that braid or anything like that because that stuff will cut you to the bone before you get rid of it. Another way to do it is to reel, uh, push forward and grab your braid and wrap it two or three times real quick right around the handle where, you're, where you hold on to it is. And anything to keep that line from slipping and then again pull straight against the rod, let the, rod, the line run straight through the eyes and keep it straight to where you're hung up is and that braid don't have any stretch. The only stretch you've got is on however long your leader is. You break that off, you're good to go, retie, and get back out there. Any thoughts on that, boys? I've yeah, seen guys uh, use oven mitts. Oven mitts? Yeah, oven mitt. Broom handle. But, you know, when you, when you wrap that braid around that line, uh, you, you need to try to palm, I palm the reel. I don't right. like get I don't like getting a lot of pressure on my my reel seat, um, or the you know the foot of my reel. I palm that reel. I let that braid come out from between my finger, um, and you know it it may torque that reel or something. But you're not you're not putting as much stress on everything. Um, you know a, a good wooden dowel works really well. And another thing you was talking about about. Uh, damaging to the rods is when you're running up and down the river and that eight ounce bait uh, bank sinker is sitting there bouncing off of that rod in that same spot all the way down the river that can do a lot of damage to them rod fibers also I've had a rod break um, in the same exact spot where I had an eight ounce sinker bounce off of so uh, it, it you know anytime you can help it um, I use those sinker slides where I can get those bank sinkers off pretty fast. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if I if I have time, I try not to run up and down the river. If my rod's going to be in, in the position to where that bank sinker is going to be up against the blank, I, t I try to get that um, that bank sinker off of there. Um, you know, but most of the time I can position them in rod holders or something to where that that uh, sinker's not going to hit the blank. But I, I try after I learned my lesson about a bank sinker bouncing on a blank. Yep, yep. What was you saying, Doc? Uh, I don't know if he's talking or not. No. Am I breaking up on your unit? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, one one thing that, that people and I, this is a, a point that I want to stress more than than 
worried about breaking your rods or your reels or anything. The main thing that I want to, to let people know is do not get your hand between that braid and anything else. Nothing. I mean, it. you can't get away from it. For years, I wouldn't let Cindy use braid lines because I was afraid it would cut her. I've been cut by it. Uh, even wearing gloves, the only kind that i found that will halfway protect you is leather gloves, but uh, nothing will keep you from getting cut if your hand is in the wrong spot. It's just the way it is, and, and you must be careful. And I'm not saying you can't get cut with monofilma, because you can, but you won't get cut as bad or as often. Uh, it's, that's just, just the way it is. Greg would like to know that he's not educated on using these anchor buoys and wanted to know if there was a good video showing what's involved. And I do not know of one. There may be some out there. I watch a lot of videos. I know Chuck does. But I have not seen one on using anchor buoys. Doc, do you think that's something we might want to put together when we're in Memphis? Yep, we can do that. Okay, that's there you go, Greg. If you can hang on till Doc and I get together down in Memphis, we'll try to do that. And, and you'll not find anybody that can explain those better because I know that Doc has put on seminars talking about the use of these anchor buoys and do's and don'ts, and we'll try to make that happen for you and, and see if we can't get that going on. Uh, Tony Caton says they use 30 and 40 pound mono for mainline with 60 pound mono leaders, and that's uh, that's pretty standard for a mono guy what they what they use. Um, yeah. We're running we're running an 80 pound braid and 100 pound braid, and a lot of guys I, I know Brent Riddle and I can't remember who it was I talked to the other day, but they're running 150 pound braid. Uh, I don't I don't have the need for that. Um, and someday I might, but right now I'm, I'm, I don't have the need for that. And uh, uh, the 80-pound and 100-pound works out well for me. I buy it by the 1,500-yard spools. lasts me a long time. And I'll tell you guys a secret because uh, I know I, Doc's always got his weekly tips. But uh, something that you guys that are using braid, uh, it lasts a long time. Uh, guys tell me they change it out every year, every two years, every three years. doesn't matter if you trade it out every week. Uh, when you think that that braid is wore out, if you'll roll it off of that reel that it's on and reel it up on another rod or another reel, you've got a whole back part of that braid that's never been probably ever seen the water. And it's just like getting a free spool on your reel like that. Uh, the back end of that is brand new. It won't even be discolored. And you can get two reel uses uh, out of that unless you've had to cut it off and break it off two or three times uh, and and I do that a lot even though we buy big spools because I, I'm always real throwing line on something and uh, it's just a little tip that you guys might try to, to bear in mind. Cliff Miller says a pair of pliers works very well and most of the guys have them right there in their toolbox. That's a great thing. You can wrap that braid around that uh, pair of pliers or something and uh, probably be alright. That's a good idea Cliff. Thank you. Whatever you use, you want to be careful not to, to mess your line up and, and to lose a big fish. So you want to make sure it's smooth, no sharp edges and stuff. And um, that's why, you know, wrapping around the reel for me is perfect because the, the, the cross member supports that come across, there's usually, you know, no sharp edges. Uh, you know, the level line's good and protected on my reels and, and three good wraps. 
um, you know, and I haven't seen my braid or anything get damaged from doing that, and it really works. Nope. Well. And, and Chuck, in, in a pinch, I've used. What'd you say? A mag flashlight. Oh, mm. that's a great idea because everybody's got yeah. a flashlight in a boat. Uh, yeah, I've used that trick on reels. That trick on wrapping them around the reels, I've used that on Abu Garcia's, which are basically all metal. I've used them on some Akumas that, that has some plastic or graphite or whatever their bodies are made out of. Everybody says, oh, it's plastic, it's plastic. Well, you know, that's like reel seats. Uh, the cheap reel seats are made out of plastic. The good ones are made out of graphite, and that's why you don't have any problems with the good quality ones. They're just as strong or nearly as strong as aluminum. They weigh half as much. Uh... Uh, but there is a difference between graphite and plastic. But when I've never damaged a reel by wrapping braid around it. Now, if it was 10 or 15 pound braid, it might cut into some of that stuff a little bit. Uh, I don't know. But we use big enough diameter stuff that, that I've never had any damage to any fishing reel that I've ever had. And uh, uh, that mag flashlight, that's, a, that's an outstanding idea. Because like I say, we've got three or four of them around here, one in the truck. And... and uh, that's big enough you can hold on to it. I've seen some of them guys try to break that 150-pound braid tied to their their cleat, and their boat just doing circles around it like they're trying to get an anchor rope loose. <laughs> just doing well, I will tell you that, that we had that, uh, that box anchor hung so... Uh, tight in some rocks uh, Saturday that twice we wrapped that rope around that Driftmaster rod holder and pulled that baby up out of them rocks and even as big as that monster cat boat is it started pulling the front of her a little bit before we got her to break loose. Yeah. Uh, J Jason had a small diameter rope on there and I was pretty impressed at the quality of that rope because I didn't think that it would ever hold uh, against that 300 and that big old boat. And it pulled the front of that boat down probably 6 or 10 inches, and uh, the anchor come loose, and he pulled her up. Wow. So, But, but that, 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 that uh, uh, Troy Hansen box anchor, I'm telling you right now, that, that baby, it, it'll hold. It only slipped one time in some mud. It didn't slip very much, and it caught, but... Uh, when it got in them rocks now, it, it was there to stay. You weren't going nowhere. Hmm. And that's that's pretty impressive for me because I'm telling you, boys, I am sold on them Cat River Anchors, which uh, I would like to, to mention uh, to thank Cat River Anchors. They donate some anchors to for Alex to give away at the Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournaments. And I never win anything in a drawing. But Cindy won the anchor from Mike down there at Monsters on the Ohio, and I went up and got that. I haven't got to try it out yet. Uh, and then she won another one over there the other day, and I got me another Cat River anchor. And uh, I just, I don't know what's going on. We never used to win anything, and here she's won two anchors in the last eight or nine months. And, you know, I'm going to have to give her a big old smooch over that. Yeah. That's just pretty awesome. We don't usually win nothing unless we, you know, if we if we if we do good in a tournament, uh, I guess you consider that. But that you earned that. Uh, but she's hit two anchors here this year, and I'm I'm just feeling pretty good about that. Chuck, what else you got for this evening? Um, I was wanting to talk about the uh, 
Um, next next Tuesday, 19th July, there's going to be some uh, really important stuff going on for the Bay Catfish Advocate. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to go to that, but you take off on it and let's, let's get her out there for everybody to know about. Okay. Um, on the uh, Maryland's DNR Sport Fishery Advisory Commission, it's going to let Brad have 10 minutes next Tuesday, 19th July, to justify why the group needs that uh, Maryland must implement the two regulations of no more than one blue catfish over 32 inches per day, applicable to both recreational and commercial anglers, and no transport of live blue cat across Maryland state lines. So. Um, you know, that's going to be very important. And that right there uh, determines uh, if it's going to let him um, speak at the meeting on July 21st. Um, you know, so the, the 19th is going to be very important on how the 21st is going to turn out. Well, so. you know, well, I've got some messages, like I said, about that today. Uh, you guys want to get involved with this, get a hold of Brad. Get a hold of of uh, Greg Aaron. Get a hold of uh, Ray Stitcher. Anybody out there? Uh, um, and I'm struggling for names tonight. Um, man, really, that really bothers me. But them guys will help you. They'll tell you if there's something that you can do to make that make that better. Uh, if there's something you need to do to help them get this done, those fish need to be protected. I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh, Chuck, but but this is important stuff. Uh, uh, Vince Rogers, he can turn you on to the people that will get you in uh, to the right stuff. If there's anything that you guys can do, you, you really need to, to work on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just get in touch with them, guys. Uh, Joe Sandbauer, um, you know, Ray Stitcher. All them guys, uh, you know, they'll, they'll tell you exactly what you need to do to help. Uh, they know it's fixing to get bad, and they're, they're stepping up at the right time, and hopefully it's not too late, and, and they can get something done in the next couple of weeks on this. Um, and if they can get things turned around, that's going to be that's going to be some good stuff right there. It um, really is, and there's, there is uh – uh some paperwork that you can fill out online. I promise you it won't take you 45 seconds to do it. They need all the signatures they can get. We need to protect those fish. And, Greg, the reason they're doing that is because they're calling them invasive species after they put them in those waters. So please take a minute and get a hold of those guys. Go to the Bay Catfish Advocates thing. Fill out the little form for them. Help them get this stopped so they don't lose all them fish. Anything else you got, Chuck? No, that's about the most important thing I got on my mind right now. So uh, that's all I. Well, that, that's probably the most important thing we'll talk about tonight. You know, we talk about a lot of stuff through these shows, but that's extremely important deal uh, that we need to bring up. Uh, and and how long is it going to be before they shut that down? And and that's not going to be done. Do you know? I I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, well. I haven't heard anything. Okay. Well, as long as they're fighting this fight, we're going to keep bringing this up on, on this show. So 
you guys bear with us because it is that important that we do this and, and try to get this handled uh, the best we can uh, because they need the help and I know that Vince and a lot of those boys when we was fighting for regulations uh, they wrote emails and letters and stuff to the Missouri Department of Conservation uh, to the point we had so many letters and emails going in that they asked me to stop because they could not keep up they have to answer the emails and stuff every day before they do their job they could not continue and and I said well let's get something done and, and I'll touch on that here in a minute because I got some information on that that you may or may not want to hear but uh, I'm going to share it with you anyhow Doc what do you have going on for tournaments and things for the weekend? And uh, I know you got a tip for us. Well, hopefully the microphone doesn't break up. This is an infrared gun. on my boat. Um, Bearings shouldn't get any hotter. Automatic reading. Uh, generally, bearings on a trailer. Uh, tandem axle like I've got, it's got brakes. The brakes are running. You start seeing higher. Uh, temperatures, then you've got a bearing that's starting to go south, and it's best to, you know, pull off someplace where it's. Doc, you really. It's really breaking up. Real bad. Okay. Yeah, it really is. But but that is a, a great little uh, tool. I used them in the garage business for years, and, and you can just point that towards them bearings or anything that you're concerned about. We used to use them on exhaust uh, in front of and behind catalytic converters. You could tell if, if one was plugged up, if it was hotter in front of it, it was behind it. Uh, bearings would be an excellent idea. I never thought of that, but you could shoot each one of those bearings, yeah. and you would know... Uh, if there's a variance uh, in those, you would know that there is an issue there, uh, and it's get it fixed before you ring your axle. I mean, uh, yeah. that, that's that's a smart thing to do. Now, if you're a mile from the house and you think you can get in, that that'd be a, a personal decision you'd have to make. But if you're traveling somewhere out on the road, and, and every time we stop for gas or what it is, and I know you guys do the same thing, you walk back there before you even go into the to the convenience store to take a leak and you touch that hub to make sure they're not hot. I do it every time we stop on any trailer that I'm pulling because I don't want broke down on the side of the road. If something's wrong, I want to know it right there and we'll get it fixed and go on because there's nothing worse than being out on the side of the road broke down and that tool that you got right there will save you from doing any of that. Only $30, 30 $35. It's worth every uh, penny. Yeah. Mm. Um, did you have any tournament results or anything you wanted to talk about, Doc? I don't know if we could get it in there. With uh, It seems like when you move your head, you're losing connection someplace. Well, my headphones are just listening. The microphone's coming off of the camera right there, so I don't know. I mean, is it okay, okay. right now? Right now it's gold. 
Now you're locked up. All right. Go on without me. <laughs> okay. Um, I just got a message from Ross McClure, and uh, he wanted me to mention that there is a catfishing tournament 7-16-2016 on Craig Creek in Warsaw, Kentucky. Seven to three, hundred percent payout, fifty dollars per person, fifteen and under, free, no stringers permitted. Must sign in fifteen minutes before start time or before. Call or text Thomas Abercrombie for details. Five one three six three zero three eight nine three. All that information will be on Facebook. And he said they need to put some pressure on the Kentucky DNR to get some better regs. I will agree with you, Ross. That is very, uh, very important. If any. But excuse me. If anybody has any any uh, input on that or has any contact information, uh, share it with everybody on Facebook or message them. Do something. Uh, them guys really need to get something done in Kentucky. They made a stab at it. They got some stuff going. Uh, there's a there's a lot more that they can do, and they need to uh, uh, they need to make that happen to get to get some better stuff on down there. Uh, it's it's just the way it is, and uh, we need to help them as well as anyone else to get as much stuff as we possibly can done. Now, uh, Vince Doc's having some trouble. I'm going to go in uh, to a couple of things here, uh, and I'll try not to drag this out too long. Um, the last two years or three, we've been working on regulations in the state of Missouri to get regulations on the Mississippi and the Missouri River. And... Uh, they kept telling me that we're doing studies, we're doing studies, we're doing studies, and I kept telling them and bitching at them because I didn't get no results. They wouldn't give me no information what was going on. Uh, we lost the director, uh, and, and we put, have a temporary director in right now, and he was kind enough to send me um, a letter the other day through the mail, and the Missouri Department of Conservation has a really good track record of making decisions that are the right decisions. They do do timely studies to make sure when they do something it is the correct thing uh, to where that they don't make things aggravated. But I don't care uh, what kind of studies they're doing when we go from having six or eight hundred pound fish caught in the St. Louis area a year to where there's one every two or three years now and the weigh-ins of these tournaments up and down the Mississippi River has went from being 150 to 200 pounds uh, on three fish or to, to where it's 30, 40, 50 pounds. You guys studies are wrong. You need to get off your butt and make this happen. We need that two fish over 34 inch rule I don't care what kind of studies you're doing. You don't lose that many fish to commercial fishermen, and it not need that. You you determined that we needed it on the lakes. We got it on the lakes. We need it on those rivers. Them guys are killing the fish. Uh, they're just hauling them out of there in boatloads. And I don't care what your study says, they're wrong. Period. Now that's Missouri Department of Conservation. I know you guys are listening. I know you watch the show every week because you know I'm going to complain about it. And and I, if it wasn't a fact, if it wasn't a fact that those tournament uh, weigh-ins was going down, and the fact that they're not catching near as many big fish as they did just a very few years ago, you'd never hear me say nothing. But you're wrong, and I don't care what you say. You know you're wrong. Those rules need to be enforced not only in the state of Missouri, in Illinois, Indiana, 
along every body of the Mississippi River and its tributaries, or we're going to be without fish one of these days. And then everybody's going to be back there saying, oh, I wish I'd listened to them guys, but it'd be too late then. A big fish would be 25, 30 pounds. Now, I'll get off of that for a minute. I have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about on uh, tournament results. Um, Alex Nagy had, uh, had our uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors tournament. And I'll try to pull that up here. Just bear with me uh, because I can't remember all these. And, and before I get started, I want to tell you guys that watch the show, if you have upcoming tournaments, if you want them announced on here, we will be glad to do it. But yeah, we always are. Yeah, we can't go through the Internet and find all this stuff. If you want it announced, send Doc, send Chuck, send me a message on Facebook, email us. And let us know the information about it. We'll be glad to bring it up. The same way with tournament results. We'll be glad to tell people about it, but we don't have the time to go through and try to find everybody's uh, list of, of what went on and, and stuff. Now, we'll, like I say, we'll, we'll, the winners will be happy to, to, to announce those for you, but you have to get the information to us. We just can't, uh, we can't do it. Uh, really, it's, there's just too much. So uh, try to help us out if you want that stuff done, and and uh, we'll be happy to to announce those tournaments and things and and get them out. Um, Saturday we had uh, 30 some boats take off out of there. I'm looking for the results here on Alex's uh, website and. Uh, Calvin and Annie Myers has won, I think, three tournaments in the last month or so. They got first place in Warsaw, Illinois, 91.9 uh, .9 pounds, and I believe they had a 41-pound big fish. For that pool of water, people, that's a giant fish. Jim Gill and Water and Paul McIntosh got second place with 87.6. Uh, Jeremy Sanders, Jason Watson, and Jake Randolph, third place with 83.7 pounds. Those are some of the biggest weigh-ins in those pools of water I have ever heard of on three fish. That's just really good. Uh, Kyle Johnson, Tim, and Hayden Gunther, 76.6 uh, .6 pounds for fourth place. Cindy and I and Jason Burgess, our great partner we had, uh, we had uh, 58.7 pounds on three fish and a 48.6-pound big fish. We absolutely had a, had a blast. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to John Mason, fish by himself. Sixth place, 56.9 pounds, and uh, Matt and Casey Marshall and Danny Combs fished seventh place, 34.7 pounds. These guys haven't been fishing tournaments very long. They're doing really, really good. I'm very proud of them. They're doing awesome. Cliff Miller, Josh Swan, 11th place, 22.5 pounds. Uh, uh, Craig Shoemate's dad and Roberta Gluttenmeyer, 13.9 pounds for 15th. I'm just hitting some highlights, folks. I'm not trying to... To, to hit them all because uh, basically all we want to do is, to, is talk about the guys that was in the money. But that's a great way in uh, for that pool of water. It was really good. Really good. I'm uh, going to try to find Tommy Walsh here. I know that there was a tournament uh, over in Peoria, Illinois with the TCA boys. Can you hear? Yes. I can't. Still breaking. <clears throat> yeah, you're good now, though. Okay. 
Uh, I got the Cat Chaser series. That was held okay. in Rock. Oh, top channel cat lakes in the state of Ohio. Uh, You're coming and going on us, Doc. All right. But carry you're on. good again. You're good you're good again. It was Eric Brammer and Jack Cree. They had fifty two pounds. Uh, uh Ted Ackerman and Joe Ackerman had thirty three. point one pound channel cat it was it was a pig so we had uh, 29.5 fourth place that's really good really good I found Tommy's post for the TCCA boys they had 36 boats at a Saturday night tournament over there uh, it hasn't been too long ago Chuck we had Mark Farrell on Mark Farrell and Jerry Klein the second 62 pounds with a big fish of 12.55. That was a channel cat basic tournament. The Mark Farrell on that Illinois River is just, I mean, if you go over and fish, you're going to have a great time because there's a lot of fish in there. But you're going to have to beat Mark Farrell and Jerry Klein second. Now, you're just going to have to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, they had a great weigh in, 62 pounds. And, and now they have a few more fish than we usually weigh. I think it's seven. I may be wrong about that. But whatever it is, that's a great weigh in on Channel Cat. Uh, our old buddy Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein, his dad, 41 pounds per second. Brian Espy and Ken Luttrell. Ken's with uh, Fat Boy Rods, uh, 39.75. Fourth place, Tim and Tommy Walsh, 39.25. And Bob Jolson and Perry Kane with 39 pounds for fifth. Uh, that's a great tournament over there. We, Cindy and I have been over there and fished at. It is a blast. Them guys catch a lot of fish. They have a lot of fun, uh, and they're just a great bunch of people to, to be in a tournament with. At Illinois River, uh, the only thing, if you go over there, if you're not used to them Asian carps, you do have to watch for them bad boys uh, because it is, it's, it's full of them. Uh, I did want to mention that Brent Riddle and his son, Spencer and Terry Cook, got third place in a... a tournament out in Kansas. I don't have all the specifics for that because if I looked over all that stuff up, uh, very proud of, of Brent, Spencer, and Terry. Third place finish out there. Uh, and I believe they was on Milford, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh, they had a great a great tournament over there, so good for that. There's one other thing, Doc, that I want to mention. And, uh, you know, we was talking earlier about all the good friends that we have in the catfishing industry, and one of my favorite, uh, you know, most guys have buddies that are men. I have a buddy that is a female, and, and Janet Fox is my buddy. We talk about Cardinals and Cincinnati Reds, and that's how we got to know each other, was arguing about them baseball teams, and she is just uh, as good a person as there ever was. And somehow I missed her birthday on Facebook here a week or two ago, and I didn't get to wish her happy birthday, and I happened to see that she had a birthday. Um, her girlfriend, uh, Teresa, she, uh, made a post on there, and I just I made a comment on there. But the point I'm trying to make here, Doc, is that it amazes me that, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to be 50 years old, and we'll be as old as Janet one of these days. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but Janet, I hope you had a great birthday. I'm sorry I missed it and uh, uh, just wanted to ride you a little bit. I know uh, we have to get on you a little bit because them Reds ain't doing too good. And them Cardinals, they're gaining on them Cubs, so you're going to have to step it up. Anything else, you guys? That's it. Cliff Miller I'm good. says. I got a broken microphone. <laughs> all right, Cliff Miller says TCCA weighs in six fish. I knew it was more than five, and uh, uh, but that, that's a great. That, there's not any face any more fun. We've been over there in them night tournaments, and 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 from the time you start putting bait in the water till you pull them out, you're catching fish the whole time. And and like I say, a great bunch of guys. If you ever get over at Peoria, you go know, fish a tournament, jump in there. Them boys will will set you up, and you'll not find a better better group of guys to fish with anywhere. Um, as far as I know, we'll see you guys next Monday night. Uh, for Chuck Davison and Doc Lang, I'm Lyle Stokes, and thank you for watching Catfish Weekly.